Hi, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Voices of Western. This is the Humans of Western podcast. Before we begin, be sure to check us out on Instagram at humans underscore Western, our Facebook page, and our new TikTok account at humans of Western. My name is Madison, and my co-host, Hossein, will take it from here. Awesome. Thank you so much, Madison. Today, we are so excited to introduce our guest, Brandon Sewell. He is, you know, an active member in the tech industry, worked for so many companies, some of the big ones include LinkedIn, Shopify, and uh, we're going to go into more details about those. One thing that I would say about Brandon is that he's really passionate about helping the community and uplifting the marginalized communities too. Now, Pride, uh, sorry, he's a proud Western graduate as well and graduated in 2010. And Brandon, I will pass it on to you. I'll give you guys a little bit of an introduction about myself to start. Um, and then we can dive into some of the more specific questions that, that you may have about my journey and how I got to the place I am today. Um, but um, I am a can- proud Canadian. I was born in Halifax, Nova Scotia. Um, my mom actually had me when she was in law school at Dalhousie, but I moved to Toronto when I was just two years old. Um, initially, we were in Scarborough growing up, and then we moved to Pickering when I was around eight or nine years old. Um, my family is of Caribbean descent. So my dad was born in Jamaica and moved to Canada when he was 16. Um, my mom was actually born in Toronto, but grew up uh, for a part of her childhood in Trinidadian, in Trinidad, sorry. Um, so I'm a mix of Jamaican and Trinidadian, um, proud Caribbean descent. And I went to Western in 2006. I initially enrolled in the biological and medical studies program, um, so biomed, which is uh, one of the pre-med programs at the time. Um, I found out I didn't like biomed and science that much when I was in first year um, and actually really had a passion for business. Um, uh, Business was one of those one elective courses I took um, in my first year. And from there, um, in year two, I switched to um, the BMOS program. So the Bachelor of Management in Organizational Studies um, with a specialization in finance. Um, And that's when I got my, that's what I got my degree in, in 2010. And since then I've worked in the corporate world. um, And most currently I am a senior account executive at uh, Shopify. Um, It's actually my two year anniversary today, actually funny enough. Um, And in this role, I, um, I help enterprise level companies uh, and sell Shopify Plus, which is a version of Shopify that's tailored more specifically to large revenue merchants, as well as um, other solutions that Shopify offers as well. Um, so in my role, I also act as a little bit like a quarterback um, on clients' accounts. So uh, we work in a team-based environment, and there are a number of people that Shopify interact with um, or that a client may interact with um, over their course of time as a customer. So my role is also my, very much like a connector in a lot of ways and making sure that the customer experience is strong. Awesome. So let's take it back to when you graduated. So you graduated with a focus in finance and coming from an economics student currently, a lot of people tend to go into careers such as you know, investment banking, accounting, IV. So I'm curious as to what your motivations were for um, what your first role was after graduation and how did you decide what that role was gonna be? Well, like many, I had no idea what I really wanted to do out of school. I feel like that's a very common um, situation that many students find themselves in. Um, I had this business degree. I had just spent three to four years learning about the corporate world. So I figured that that's where my education would lend itself in. 
Um, but a lot of my classmates did end up going the finance or accounting route. And I did have some interviews in that world, but ultimately I felt that those jobs didn't lend well to my personality. I'm a relatively high energy person. Um, I enjoy being in front of people. And that's how I ultimately found myself landing at Canon in their business solutions division, which was ultimately my first sales job um, and really helped jumpstart my career in this field. So what kind of, like, what was your job at Canon? I know you were only there for a year, correct me if I'm wrong, but uh, as a first job, like, uh, were you immediately taken by the industry or? Yeah, what, what I thought Canon would be is what it actually ended up being. And that was an opportunity for me to learn sales, uh, learn business um, as someone right out of school and ultimately give myself that exposure to help put me in a position to advance my career in the world of sales is that if that's where I ultimately chose to stay on from a path perspective. So at the time, um, this is 2010, remember, because I'm going to date myself a little bit, but um, the business solutions division, we were selling primarily um, photocopier hardware as well as um, imaging software. So obviously photocopiers are borderline archaic now, but at the time in 2010, there was a huge market for, for photocopiers and companies and businesses needed them. So my role as um, a sales rep at Canon was to manage a geographical territory. So at the time it was one of two territories in Markham, Ontario. And I would go door to door, uh, knocking on doors, um, trying to get in front of owners and CEOs of companies and ultimately sell them this printing equipment. Now, as you can imagine, um, from a priority standpoint, um, buying a printer is not the highest on the priority list of a CEO or president. So with that, I faced a ton of rejection. Um, you know, there were times where um, I was kicked out of offices, um, had uh, owners threatened to call the police on me um, for, for, uh, for loitering. So there was like a lot of hardships in that role, but overall it allowed me to thicken my skin um, and really allowed me to understand how business works and how to tie customer problem to solution. And I think that those two things were, were some of the core traits that I learned in that role that I've carried me along my, my career. I love that. That's, that's such a great explanation, especially for people who are interested in roles like sales. It's usually advisable for them to start door to door, like knocking on doors, going to offices, because that's where you get the most rejections, right? If you're behind a computer, maybe you won't feel it as much. But as you said, it was really beneficial to thicken your skin. And later on, I believe it was very helpful for you. Yeah, definitely. Um, it's, it's interesting because you're not taught sales in, in school, right? Like when in my business program, we had marketing classes, we had operation classes, we had finance classes, HR classes, but there's no sales classes per se. So sales is one of those fields that obviously is so integral. The sales department is integral to every company because every company needs to sell their products or services, but it's, it's a, it's a, skill set that you learn by being exposed to it and kind of learning by trial and error versus being taught in a classroom. So it's, it's very unique in that sense. So you did that role for a few years and then stepped into other roles, like a recruiting role. Could you tell us more about that and how was it beneficial for you as you continue your journey in the tech industry? 
Yeah, I landed the sales recruiting role um, because I went into this agency. Uh, the, the company was called Sales Talent Agency. I went in there looking for a new sales role after I had left Canon. And I ended up having a great conversation with um, the owner, Sonia Meloff at the time, um, who's still a friend of mine today. Um, and she offered me a opportunity to either come in and to come in and, and try my chops at, at sales recruiting. Um, and although sales recruiting wasn't necessarily my passion, it really was a great exposure and, and opened up a lot of opportunities for me in terms of what the job market was and where there could be opportunities for me as I think about where my career could potentially go. And my time there really allowed me to understand um, about tech and the, the career path and the trajectory that I could potentially have if I went into the world of tech. Um, this was around 2013, 2014, and tech companies were becoming super valuable and Toronto was emerging as a tech hub in North America. I actually think right now um, it's actually next to Silicon Valley as one of the top uh, tech hubs in North America. And I also understood that from my time recruiting salespeople for tech that from a lifestyle and work-life balance perspective that tech companies offered a very compelling structure. Um, and this and it was something that I was really enamored with. You know, concepts such as like open workspaces, pods, free lunch and free snacks. Um, those things weren't necessarily the norm back then, um, but now of course have been adopted by so many other industries and is almost like um, a must have for companies looking to recruit people. Would it be fair to say that your first couple of years like at a university and whatnot were really focused on uh, skill building and kind of finding those resources? I think that's a really interesting perspective, especially as the tech industry was just like growing or emerging. Yeah, I would agree with that. Um, I'd also say it's it was also a part of me trying to find myself too, right? It's also really trying to understand what your skill sets are and what value those skill sets uh, present in different arenas um, and industries. And, and I think with that, obviously being open to learning and skill building, but as well as be more comfortable with what you're really strong at and what you may not be as strong at allows you to sort of form your own path from a career standpoint. So a follow-up question on that. If I know what I'm not good at, what, what should I do with this? Because I do know a few things that I need to work on, but is it worth even working on them or should I just focus on my strengths at this point? Yeah, yeah I mean, I would always lean personally to focusing on your strengths and, and trying to be formidable at your weaknesses, depending on what they are. Obviously, it's a very broad topic, but... Uh, for example, I'll, I'll bring it back to my world. Um, so obviously I work in, in uh, sales, I, I sell technology, but I'm not a developer by trade. I'm not a programmer. Um, tech, that's not my strength, right? My strength is in business and speaking to people, empathizing with people. That's where I'm strong at. So in order to make sure that I could be the best in my job, I take it upon myself to be more familiar with tech, right? Understanding technical systems and how companies think about building their tech stacks, understanding APIs and connectors and system connectors. So there's a lot of different terms that I was not familiar with, but I've tried to become formidable so that I can at least have that conversation and, and serve my clients appropriately. Definitely. I feel like that's what sets a good salesman uh, apart from someone who is, I don't want to say not, but... <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, for sure. It's a, a lot of it's about being honest with yourself, right? And not 
coming in with the level of humility um, and not thinking that you know it all and that you're the best and just being open to learning. I think that's the biggest thing that can be applied to any profession, whether you're in sales, marketing, or any other field. So you enjoyed your roles, like still there's room for growth. You realize you could go to other places as well and develop other skills. That's where you landed at LinkedIn. Could you talk to us more about maybe what you did at LinkedIn? I know you were involved with community projects at your time as well, which you helped initiate. So we could also talk about that. For sure. I joined LinkedIn uh, in 2016 and it was truly a transformational experience. When you're in sales, you're kind of like a corporate athlete. That's the term we we use. And what I mean by that is your contribution to the company from a revenue and client satisfaction perspective is really what your value is to the company in a lot of way. Um, now, of course, that comes with added pressure and perhaps less job security, but the benefit is that you're compensated accordingly for that lack of job security, um, perhaps a little bit more than other departments of the company. Um, so LinkedIn was the first company I worked at that challenged me to do more than just sell. They really wanted you to make an impact, not only in your role, but also outside of your role. So whether that be by, was by enhancing your team's performance or contributing contributing to the mission of the of, of, of LinkedIn and the value system that they have, both externally or internally, they were all for it. And that's actually how you were measured as an employee when, when it was sort of review time. So for me personally, I felt that I wanted to contribute to the topic of diversity. And at the time, there was an opportunity for me to step in and become the Canadian lead of LinkedIn's Black Inclusion Group. Um, and when I took this role voluntarily, my goal was really to raise the collective consciousness of the office. And ultimately at our high point, we had 70% of our 200 person LinkedIn office engaged in our programming, which was a tremendous accomplishment. Um, we were able to make inroads with an emerging external group called the Black Professionals and Tech Network uh, and actually hosted the group's kickoff event. And uh, BPTN um, now actually has thousands of members across the, the country. And LinkedIn is still one of their primary corporate partners today. So um, I was tremendously happy with my time there. Um, and, and I'll never forget it just because it really allowed me to go out of my comfort zone and do something that I felt was, was passionate and important to me. That's amazing to hear. So just kind of building from that, um, how important is workplace environment when you're looking for um, perhaps your own personal fulfillment, but also trying to reach your potential as a uh, person who's growing their career. Yeah, workplace environment is super important. Uh, it, the people that you work with is what contributes greatly to overall happiness. And I definitely uh, resonate with, with that in my world. Um, it also allows you to thrive and learn. Um, and the best way to contribute to a good workplace environment is to ultimately be yourself when you come to work. Um, don't ever try to be a person that you think someone wants you to be. Always stay true to yourself. And also don't be afraid to challenge yourself and learn from others. Um, I've seen people come into companies in the past and in, in certain roles where they think they know it all or perhaps closed off from learning. And, and I think that type of attitude can be toxic in, in work environments. So, um, you know, workplace environment is just so important. And that's what keeps me wanting to, you know, do my best job every day or best version of my job every day. Love that. Love that. Um, so I haven't graduated yet, but from the few workplaces that I've worked in part-time during school, 
I can say that it has huge impact, right? Workplace environment with people you meet or interact with every day or every other day is huge. If someone is so energetic and like could make your day or be a part of something better, it's amazing. The amount of fulfillment you get is tremendous. For sure, for sure. Yeah. Um, and with at LinkedIn specifically, like when when my three years there, it really felt every day that I was coming to like a clubhouse, you know, it didn't feel like I was coming to an office every day. Um, and that's because I loved everyone I work with. I wanted to come to, to the office and see those people. Um, and, and that allowed, and spending that time in the office, obviously you're doing your job and you're doing it the best of your ability, but it's so great to just have people that you can turn to when times are great, when times are tough and, and ultimately keep your morale at a, at a, at a nice high level, um, which, which obviously contributes to your to the impact you do at, uh, in your job. Right. And I think one of the challenges when everything went online was having this sort of community support or people around you. Like online Zoom is good, but it also has its own limitations, which to this day, I'm not sure if any company came up with an alternative or resolution to that. Maybe hybrid work style is the way to go. Who knows? Yeah, it's... um. It's really, it's really interesting and it's evolving too. Um, when I started at Shopify, it was, like I said, two years ago today. So if you can remember two years ago, uh, March 30th, 2020, it was a very interesting time, right? The pandemic had just hit. Nobody knew what was going on. Um, I had accepted this job uh, two weeks prior, but I had no idea what the future really held for me. Um, and I was actually the test second um, cohort to be onboarded virtually. So that presented a ton of challenges. And the biggest thing to your point was saying is that you miss the face-to-face -face organic conversations and meeting opportunities that you would have naturally if you were in an office. And really the onus is kind of becomes on you to go ahead and make that additional effort to meet your teammates in a one-to-one -one environment. Um, and whether that be through like just one-on-one -on -one Zoom conversations, or perhaps, you know, at least now you can meet for people, meet people at coffee shops or, or maybe play a sport with them or, or, you know, go to a restaurant with them to, for a meal. It's a little bit easier, but in 2020, it was not the case. So there was definitely some challenges that were presented. So perhaps you can delve a little bit more into what that onboarding process was like during a pandemic. Uh, it must've been a really unique experience, especially compared to your past uh, positions. Yeah. So it was definitely a challenge. Um, and Big shout out to the onboarding and HR team for making the, or the onboarding team at Shopify for making the transition into the company as best as possible, given the tools and um, situation that was presented to them. Um, obviously, a lot of it was online. Well, it was all online and virtual. So um, introduction to the company, introduction into your role was, was all done online in in, um, in a curriculum format um, to help you learn. So there's a lot of pre-recorded videos. There was a lot of meetups. We actually learned how to build a Shopify store when we started at the company. So that was all done uh, virtually. But I think the biggest thing that I did when I onboarded and started at Shopify was I took the time and effort to reach out to every single person on my team. At the time, there was 10 and book 30-minute introductory calls with them. And I think that's super important because I was able to get to know them. And normally in an office, I would have just gone up to their desk, 
uh, maybe grabbed a coffee or tea with them and, and, and got to know them. But I thought it was super important for me to learn about everybody, um, what their story was, um, so that I can get a better feel for who they are and, and also give them the ability to know who I am so that if I did have questions, they would be um, more open to, to sharing it, sharing things with me and, and helping me come along. Uh, I also made it a, a, made a point to go outside of my immediate team and try and set up conversations with individuals on other teams, because it's always really important to understand how the company works and how different teams connect to work with each other. So I thought that was really important. Um, Shopify also has a, a tool called Sidekicks. It's in our Slack um, instance, and it actually randomly connects you with a person in the company every week. So it kind of puts you in a chat room together. And the whole goal is that you book time together to go and meet and learn about each other. Um, and I thought that was, a, that's a, a great way. And it's a tool I still use today to, um, to meet people outside of the company um, and, and kind of grow that network internally. Uh, I guess one thing I want to say is not even it, it helps you put your name out there, but also you're like one phone call away from some sort of department that you have no idea how it works. If you have a friend in there, you just call them and say, hey, I'm having this problem. Like, what do you think? Uh, a great way to share ideas, get some quick help and even like offer to return something. For sure. Yeah. Like I, I have people I could turn to and our product management team, marketing team, um, HR, um, like if I have questions or even if I just want to pick their brain on kind of what's, what they're working on and, and what I can sort of stay, stay tuned for from a, from a programming or product standpoint. So it's really, it's really valuable and it just allows you to kind of understand overall how the company is thinking about things and kind of what our future roadmap looks like. Definitely. I feel like it goes back to our previous point about the importance of work environment. And I feel like a lot of those tools really helped create that, even though it was, say, online for much of your time there. Um, now, going into your role at Shopify, I feel like a lot of people know or think they know what Shopify is. It was funny, right before recording this, I was watching a YouTube video and all the ads were for Shopify. <laughs> It was kind of funny. Um, so I'm curious as to what a day in the life of a senior account executive at Shopify looks like. Yeah, the great thing is that every day is, is different, which is, which is what I love. It keeps me on my toes and it keeps me engaged because no two days are the same. Um, but to give you sort of an overview of kind of how my role is um, on a day-to-day -day basis, I'm doing some mix of finding new business, so finding new companies to work with, and having business and technical conversations with companies who are interested in evaluating Shopify Plus. So um, our mission at Shopify is to make commerce better for everyone. And what that essentially means is we provide tools in the form of software and other services that allow businesses to sell better and easier and connect with their customers better. In, in, a, in a better way than they were before using other systems and tools. So with Shopify Plus, which is the enterprise version of Shopify that I sell, this is a tool designed specifically for enterprise level companies. So the Shopify that most people know is the small, medium size version of our tool, which is designed for like those entrepreneurs who are looking to get online and sell a product or small businesses that are, again, looking to sell products and expand their, their footprint online. 
Um, Shopify Plus is built for the enterprise. So large companies that um, have very complex systems and requirements and Shopify Plus just allows those companies to, to build a more customized tool and storefront and just do a little bit more with. So yeah, it's a lot of customer conversations. It's a lot of um, uh, tying complex business problems to the value of Shopify, as well as a lot of in, um, coordinating with internal business teams. So I work a lot with legal marketing, um, my sales engineers to help drive uh, projects forward. Brandon, I do have a question. So if we're talking about big enterprises, do they already have their existing websites where they sell on or do they come to you if they want to open you know, their first online sales platform? It's a great question, Hossein. It's a, it's a bit of both. So we'll work with companies who may have uh, built a custom e-commerce store and are looking to migrate to our platform, which is what we call a software as a service. So it's a fully hosted solution versus um, a custom storefront that a customer may be using that they built in-house. Um, there's obviously pros and cons to, to, to the two, um, or that perhaps they're on another platform that's a competitor of Shopify and they're having various challenges and they're looking to evaluate a new platform. Um, but we'll also work with companies who perhaps don't sell online at all and are looking to get online for the first time and, have, and are looking to Shopify to help them do that. Um, we saw that a lot at the start of the pandemic when um, a lot of traditional retail companies that sold through brick and mortar channels now had to find different ways to sell their product because stores were closed um, and, and they were getting uh, hit really hard financially. So um, yeah, it's a combination of, of the, those three different instances, but Shopify can help serve um, all those different instances in, their, in its own unique ways. That's, that's an interesting perspective. And uh, certainly opens my eyes about, uh, you know, the kind of actions that bigger companies take and how they want to like increase their revenues and all of those things. Um, have you noticed any specific challenges that they are facing these days in 2022? Yeah, I think the most common challenges that a lot of big companies face is just sort of how to best interact with their consumers, given the fact that consumer behavior is changing. Traditionally, if you wanted something, you would go to the mall and buy it. Um, now, obviously, online shopping has become so popular over the last 10 years. But now we're seeing customers spending more time on other social channels. So like social media is now so popular, right? People are on Instagram, people are on Facebook, people are, are on Pinterest. So it's about how customer companies need to think about what is the best way to meet those customers where they're spending the most amount of time? And then how do we best merchandise and serve our products to those particular company, to those particular customers so that we can maximize our um, total addressable market? So it's, um, it's very unique. It's, it's a very evolving, but I think the overarching theme for a lot of these businesses is just agility, right? Like we know that Technology is ever evolving. Consumer behavior is ever evolving. So when it comes to the conversation around technology, it's around how do we implement a tool that will allow us to pivot and be agile as consumer behavior is changing. I'm curious as to what is something that surprised you about your industry? I think I touched on this a little bit earlier, but like what I'll go back to is like the biggest thing that surprised me is that you don't need to be a technical wizard to be great in this world. Um, in sales, it's all of 
about tying complex business problems and challenges that a customer or company may have to the areas of our products or solutions that will solve those goals and challenges. And that's, that's something that I think is important for people who are graduating school and are perhaps considering sales um, to keep in mind that whether you work at Shopify or another company, um, it's really about that. It's not so much about being like a car salesman, no offense to car salespeople out there, but it's not about hard selling people on a particular product. It's really about solving business problems. And in the concept, in the context of, of the tech sales industry, uh, most of the people I don't, I work with don't know how to code or develop, but we're all super successful in our roles because we're able to, to understand those business um, problems really well. What you said is really interesting because until like maybe a year ago, I had no idea these roles exist in the sales industry or like in the tech industry. Obviously, I knew that there were roles that did not require coding. But recently, I saw a statistics that said around, okay, I might not be 100% correct on this, but around 80% of the roles in Salesforce are non-coding roles. So you don't have to be a technical person, as you said, to be able to land a job in the tech industry. Yeah, that's a, that's a great point. And obviously, we have incredible engineers at Shopify. Um, they're the lifeline of our company, and they do amazing job building us amazing products to go out and offer to clients. But in the world, in, in the customer facing world of the tech industry, it's really about having that baseline understanding of, of, of the technology, but really being strong in understanding the company and what they want and what the challenges and goals are. So that that's not just in sales, that's in marketing, um, operations, um, and, and HR as well. And one question when it comes to hiring, um, I know we talked about this like in our conversation, but I wanted to mention here as well. You talked about the importance of diversifying the job pool. Can you explain what that means? And does that mean we are hiring less qualified people just because they come from different backgrounds? Yeah, I could speak to this in the context of my time at LinkedIn because I was pretty actively um, interested and somewhat involved in that in terms of the whole idea, in my opinion, is that it's not so much about filling a quota on diversity, on a diversity hire, uh, whether that be a female or someone of color or diversity could even mean maybe an older individual versus what the average um, age is for a team. So there's diversity can, can come in the shape, form and shape of a lot of different areas, but it's about filling the pool with a, a nice diverse group of people so that hiring managers can go out and hire the best person for the job but but they're but they're making that decision based on a fair and equitable pool um, versus just um, some of the versus just being straight constrained on having to hire a position and then hiring the first you know three to five people that they could find and because what I think a lot of people need to remember as a hiring manager you um, are responsible for recruiting a lot of the time at least in our world and. It's, they need to fill, they can't have a seat or a position be unfilled for a lengthy amount of time because that hurts the business. So it's really important for the HR teams and the company in general to make sure that they have a big enough pool of candidates that represent a diverse skill set. And that's something that we try to do with um, 
at LinkedIn, the Black Professional and Tech Network um, was, was one of those groups that LinkedIn partnered with and was able to really expand their pool set, at least in the in the diverse setting of, of, of black uh, people of color. Um, and it, it did, it, did, we saw direct impacts um, with hiring people. Uh, we had a lot more diverse hires um, organically. And, and as a person, um, as a diverse person myself, you never want to feel like you're, you were hired because they were trying to fill a number, right? You want to feel like you were hired because you are able to do the job just as well as anyone else. Um, but that they chose you because um, they think that that you could be the best in their mind. Right. Love that. Love that. Um, personal experience. So I'm an international student and there were two instances. One instance when the first time I joined the team, I looked around. I was the only international student. Did not feel great whatsoever. We did have people from different ethnicities, background, which was really helpful. But being the only international student in the room was not super helpful. And then in a second in a second role, in an additional role later on, when I looked around, almost like 30% of us were international students. That felt amazing. Why? Because it added value. It added international experience, connectedness, like all of those valuable things that people could bring to the table and feel more connected. So I highly agree with what you said. Absolutely. Yeah, it, it really goes a long way in making people feel more comfortable and adding a level of familiarity. It also brings a diverse, uh, a diversity in thought, right? When people have, everyone's different, everyone comes from different backgrounds, and everyone offers something that someone else doesn't. So when you have um, a group of people that come from these different um, backgrounds, it just allows everyone to just expand their horizon and understanding of how things work and just ultimately makes teams perform better. There's tons of data um, that suggests that um, and and actually solidifies it. Um, so it's, I truly believe it in, and I think it's something that every company should should emphasize moving forward. Definitely, I agree. It's, it's really important and perhaps something a lot of uh, soon-to-be graduates uh, consider as they enter the job market and whatnot. You've certainly given a lot of insight to the tech industry. So just a one final question for you. It's one question that I love to ask a lot of the alumni. It's how did your experience at Western shape who you are today? And also as a side question, do you have any final advice for current Western students? Well, I can confidently say Western played an instrumental role in shaping me and the person I am today. Uh, my time and experience at Western provided me with a tremendous amount of confidence compared to where I was leaving high school. Um, it allowed me to meet some of my best friends. Um, and by living on my own in London, Ontario, um, it really taught me how to be more responsible and make my own decisions um, as, as a young person, as a young adult. And my advice to Western students would be to focus on your study life balance. Um, obviously, grades are super important, but it isn't the only thing that will dictate your future. And, and I, would, I would definitely encourage students to make a strong effort to join different clubs, meet as many people as you can, because the impact of that will, will certainly last a lifetime. Love that. Thank you very much. Thank you for you know, accepting our invitation and sharing all of these advices. It was so lovely to hear about your experiences, your stories, and what the future holds for you. I appreciate it. Thanks so much. Thank you so much. And to our listeners, thank you so much for listening to this episode of Voices of Western. And we'll see you next week.